Welcome to the Motorsports in Focus podcast. I'm your host, David Santiago, joined by my co-host and producer, Joe McKinney. Hope you enjoy. All right, and we're back. Just like that one like week. Magic. Yeah. Um, we're actually recording on a Friday. I'm yeah. taking up uh, Joe's Friday afternoon. Oh, no. Yeah. The tragedy. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, Tuesday afternoon was filled with festive holiday stuff because it was Independence Day. That's not right. the 4th of July, by the way. Yeah. I'm going to stand my ground on this uh, on this thing. This is not... I hate I hate when people say, oh, it's the 4th of July. Like, yeah. Yes, that is a descriptor, but it's Independence Day. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Although, I do think it's easier to say uh, Happy 4th of July than Happy Independence Day. But It is, but... But yeah, Do we I build I, our lives on easy. Yeah, I concede your point. <laughs> but yeah, we had the Fourth of July, and uh, it wasn't uh, too crazy in my neighborhood this year in terms of fireworks. Oh, it's always crazy here. Yeah, they set off fireworks on the next street over. Yeah, and then over. I'm pointing in the podcast so our listeners can really <laughs> understand direction, what's going on. That yeah. way. Yeah, there's a bunch of fireworks over there, and then fire, there's like three homes within probably a a square quarter mile that are just blasting. Nice. So, yeah, that was fun. To be fair, though, the the newborn did not have any any issues with it. He That's was good. pretty much out. So, mm. um, Coda, my dog, decides that he needs to boof at every single one of them. So one goes off. He goes. Oof. It's like Coda, you're not doing anything, dude. <laughs> he must have had a busy night then. Yeah. Oh, it's it. He has a busy busy Independence Day and uh, and New Year's Day every year. That's funny. And most evenings in the summer because there's thunderstorms and he's convinced that that's a problem too. He's See, not scared of them. He just gets... <laughs> you know, I wonder about uh, animals and their routines because we can't directly communicate with them. So I wonder if sometimes they... Th- it's like a rain dance kind of thing, you know? Like people do rain dances like, oh, last time I did this, it rained. So yeah. it must work. Yeah. If and I boof at it, it'll yeah. go away. <laughs> I wonder if animals are the same way. Yeah. I could see that, yeah. Well, he's too much of an idiot to think that far in advance. Yeah. So. Like, I, I'm convinced that with my cat, uh, like, she'll start meowing at a certain time when she wants to get fed, which is normal. But sometimes I think to myself, I'm like, I wonder if she meows like her life depends on it because she thinks it actually does. Like, does she think that if she doesn't meow like crazy, I won't yeah. feed her? Yeah. And so she has to do it every time. Right. <laughs> but... Anyway, let's stick with the 4th of July America theme. Okay. And we'll first topic will be uh, a NASCAR, actually. Whoa. And the only time I think we've talked about NASCAR on this podcast was for Le Mans. Yeah. Or to, I, I, we did poo on it a little bit in one of the earlier episodes. We probably did. That that sounds like something we'd do. Yeah. Um, But they had a street race in Chicago. They did. In the rain. <laughs> In the pouring rain, <laughs> I have I have some family that lives in Chicago, and their backyards were flooded and stuff. Like they, oh, okay, yeah, it was a lot of rain. Dang. So I I just even saying that feels kind of weird. So apparently that was, or obviously depending on how you look at it, that was NASCAR's first ever street race. Yeah. Um. So that's Same. a thing. Yeah. Try trial by water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not by fire. Um. I and I have to say. I actually think it was. I can't decide if I liked it or not. Basically, what? Yeah. So I my, don't know what to think. This is my thought process with it. One, I'm not shocked at all by the winner. Um, no. For, yeah. So spoiler for anyone that hasn't watched it by now, Shane Van Gisbergen just won that that event. It makes sense. He won three um, 
championships in Australian V8 supercars, which yeah. those cars do also turn right. Um, so he is very familiar with road courses, with and adverse street circuits, conditions, yeah. street circuits. He he knows what to do. It is not shocking that you put him behind the wheel in adverse conditions, and he goes, oh, I got this. <laughs> and then he did. And a lot of the other guys were like, I, I don't know what to do. Because to be fair, I mean, it's like... They, they don't race they in are, the rain. Yeah, they are experts on ovals. Yeah. That doesn't diminish their talent there. All it does is say that they have no idea. Like you're not, you can you can get the best. Oh, what's the 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 family that's like just absurdly good at drag racing? Force or for, Frost or something? Yeah, Force. Yeah, you put them like they they are the world's best drag racers. You put them in anything that involves turning the car, they are not going to be world champions in it. They, like there are types of like series of racing where it just doesn't cater to it. So. All of a sudden, you say, "All right, these guys have done a bunch of road racing before in their in their prior careers. They go out there and they succeed. It makes sense." As for the event, I like I like where they're going. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool. I think it's something that's um, it's going to bring in some newer audience. I would imagine it didn't sit very well with the loyal NASCAR audience. Yeah, and could get kind of stale over the years. But I think it was. It was kind of cool, especially to, to, to get some, some rain involved and get some weather conditions that are just not what NASCAR... Because, I mean, as soon as you're on the oval and you get rain, it's done. You shut that yeah. down, and, and there's nothing there's nothing left to do now. So not only are you on a different type of circuit, as far as the surface is concerned, you're in a different shape of the circuit, and then you got weather. It's like they just got drilled with the trifecta of, whoa, what are we... Like, that is a culture shock for a lot of those drivers. And <laughs> yeah. To be fair, I like I thought they handled it pretty well. Um, I was actually watching with uh, a friend of mine at the time, and he's like, well, "How many crashes do you think they're gonna have?" And I was like, "At minimum four. There was four in like seven laps." Yeah, yeah. I I think it was a pretty and common it one. It wasn't crashes. It was how many how many of them are gonna end up in the wall? Yeah, exactly. They just went straight in the wall and yeah. buried it in the, the tires. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the reason I say I was like I I don't know how to feel about it because. I don't really like NASCAR. I don't like the premise of NASCAR so much because it's just silhouette race cars. Um, I don't find that very interesting. But I think this was pretty entertaining. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, but it, to me, it felt like American V8 supercars. It did, yeah. And uh, I don't know. I just felt conflicted. I was watching. I'm like, this is actually kind of cool. If NASC- I'm, it, I started thinking, I'm like, what if NASCAR did a lot of became like IndyCar and did a lot of normal circuits and still did stuff like the Daytona 500, mm-hmm. you know? I, I wouldn't have a problem with it it's starting its own series, just not falling under the, like the Trans Am route, right? Yeah. Like still stick to NASCAR, still be, excuse me, backed by NASCAR. But it doesn't necessarily need to be in the same season as the Daytona 500. They can occur at the same time, but they're not the same series, if you will. Yeah because they are very different, but even if they did occur at the same, like there was overlap between them, I, I think that'd be totally fine. I think it'd be interesting, and you're definitely going to pull in more racing fans. It's just, are you, gonna, are you going to deter too many of the your core. loyal fans? Yeah. <sighs> are they just going to say, screw it, I'm not watching this, and then you're not, you're not pulling in enough new ones I don't to know. counteract the, the, the old loyal base that you're losing, if you will. How how important do you think that is? Because, for example, from from an outsider looking, I don't know anything, but do you watch baseball at all? Uh, here and there. Because I often. know that baseball's had a problem, and they're trying to make the sport 
more interesting mm-hmm. and not so long or yeah. sort of quote unquote boring. Yeah, they've added the pitch clock and yeah. Um, do you see that it's a similar problem to NASCAR? And do you think it really matters as much as like because everybody says, oh, we got to appeal to the next generation, appeal to the next generation. Um, at what point does the sport have to say, okay, we have to totally change yeah, up so what we're doing? I don't, I don't think with NASCAR, uh, at least from from what I can tell and from the people that I've spoken to that are pretty loyal NASCAR fans, NASCAR doesn't suffer from the same thing that baseball does where it was a decaying fan base that was not building. Mm-hmm. NASCAR appears to me, at the very least, I haven't looked at the numbers, but appears to me that it's an incredibly loyal fan base that's not going anywhere and then just gets passed down from generation to generation to generation. Mm. And everybody is always there. Once you're a NASCAR fan, you stay a NASCAR fan. You always love NASCAR. Mm. And I, I, I think you're probably like, I get the idea of trying to modernize it or change it up a little bit to try and pull a new audience. But in reality, NASCAR's core, I think is more loyal than baseball's core. Because a lot of baseball's core is also going to be, oh, football's on. Oh, you know, like especially in, you know, you get into September and October when college football kicks in and then the NFL kicks in and then in October the NHL kicks in and the NBA kicks in. And it's like, okay, that's a lot of different sports. Most NASCAR fans, from what I've gathered, they might watch a little bit of college football, um, but that's one day a week. And then NASCAR's on Sundays and college football's on Saturdays. So there's not a whole lot of overlap. Yeah, it's... It's interesting. And, you know, because I look at that issue as some, I think most of the time it's just like marketing fluff where they're like, oh, we have to change the core of our sport to appeal to these people or this audience, which I don't really buy most of the time. Um, that'd be like endurance racing being like, okay, we're actually not going to do 24 hour racers because we want people to get more interested. So we're going to do six hour races. Like, that's stupid. Um, but with NASCAR. I don't know, man. I, because the new cars are already something that I know that the loyal NASCAR people are not a big fan of, because of they're essentially more like normal race cars mm-hmm. and less like you know your classic NASCAR stock car, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And however, I think that enables them to do stuff like this, like this street race. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it's a weird. I I would actually like to see NASCAR do more of this. Um, but yeah, I think they would end up losing or at least partially upsetting that fan base. Yeah. I don't think you're going to convert them into liking street races. No. And I have to say also just a quick note, the announcers were quite funny, um, calling the, uh, street circuit because they were calling it like they would an oval and like. When something happens on an oval, it's happening at 200 miles an hour. Right. And, like, for example, they're like, oh, trouble in turn three. And then you cut, and it's just, like, a slow spin out <laughs> or something. And you're like, that energy does not match what's happening yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I noticed that. And then I, I actually thought it was kind of fun. They were pointing out things that are just givens for anybody that watches road racing. So if you watch the pre-race, um, they were talking about the crosswalks and how that's painted asphalt. Yeah. And they're like... And those of you that uh, that don't know, painted asphalt is much slipperier than uh, than the black asphalt. And it's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we everyone here has driven on a on a, on a road before. Yeah, like you know, they tried to they they were really trying to get in depth with their analysis. And you're like, okay, I get it. I, I mean, credit to you guys to try and figure that out. But it's also like anyone that has ever watched any sort of street racing whatsoever or road racing is fully aware. 
paint is slippery. Well, the same thing happened with the dry line. And they were like, oh, it's a single lane road here. Uh, if you get off that single lane, you're in the wet. And you're like, yep. 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 That's what happens. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. There were some, I think there was a lot of drivers that got caught out as well. Maybe with, uh, I don't know, for whatever reason, maybe just overconfidence uh, in the conditions. But you'd see him make a move and you're like, that was that was never going to work. Right. Like, I don't know why you got there off the also, dry line and got on the brakes. Yeah. <laughs> there was all, that was that was a problem multiple times. There was also um something that wasn't working for the drivers was that the the wets weren't it wasn't quite wet enough for wets and it also wasn't dry enough for the slicks, so they were stuck with like really needing an intermediate and wasn't yeah. one. And that's really hard to drive in. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was some significantly adverse conditions, but it was also fun to watch people that just truly had no idea what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. But in fairness, I saw a lot of good car control. Yeah. And credit to those, you know, to the Silhouette NASCAR um, platform. Those things can take a hit and just keep going. Oh, yeah, they can. Yeah. It, to me, at one point, it reminded me, I was like, you remember when we did the, the go-karts in the rain? Yeah. That's what it looked like out there. Yeah. Because the, on typical like rental carts, they have like bumpers everywhere. Yeah. So like you really can't damage them or right. cause a big wreck. And like the NASCARs, they were just bumping each other, bumping off the walls. Like, oh wow, I I've done that in a video game before. Right. <laughs> and yeah. the car was fine. Exactly. No, I I I like it. I would like to see them do it more often. Um, maybe not more than twice a year or three times a year or something. Like yeah. I don't want it to be. I don't want to go all the way to where Indy is. Well, I mean, I do, but I think if I'm if I'm running NASCAR, I certainly don't. Yeah, I don't think they can do that anytime soon. No. For sure. I, I also would like to see that. Um, but I just think it's an interesting data point. Look, I don't know anything about NASCAR, and I was happy to see this, you know, and... I, I specifically tuned into it. Yeah, exactly. And so I think it had the desired effect, and especially coming off Le Mans, drawing interest to the new platform, the new cars. Yeah. So, yeah. But it's just an interesting data point to me because it's like, okay, NASCAR's on a street circuit. We watched Indy. We watched IMSA, F1, all these other cars, and now we get to see NASCAR's on the street circuit. And I think the most comparable series uh, in terms of, like, how the race felt was V8 supercars in terms of, like, the cars are moving around. You saw them moving around with the bumps. We got flames out of the exhaust. Yeah. They sounded fantastic. Right. Um, well, and V8 Supercars is immensely entertaining. Yeah. And it's always been compared to NASCAR. Yeah. Not justifiably so, really. but it, Yeah, they're very different. Yeah. But in the entertainment of the event, the way the characteristics of the cars in their mannerisms, if you will, as to how they yeah, the got around the track. Yeah, yeah, the attitude of the cars yeah. and everything. And it was it was very similar and, and very, very entertaining. And that's why I liked it, because I'm a, I'm a big fan of Australian V8 supercars. They are very fun to watch. Yeah. I think it was interesting to see, like, a juxtaposition as well in terms of simplicity. Like, like you mentioned the tires. They had wets and dries. They probably could have used an intermediate. Mm -hmm. But it's not like when you're watching F1 and you've got you know, three different comp, two different compounds, or, you know, Indy has that too, where different compounds of dry rubber and stuff like that. It was just like throw a bunch of stock cars on the track and see what happens. Yeah. And they just went out there and did it. Although I have to say they're, uh, the stage thing is weird. They do the race in stages. Yeah. Yeah. What's I, up with that? I didn't think, I, so I've talked to, um, some 
pretty hardy NASCAR fans, and and they've told me that they actually multiple people in different conversations have told me that they actually quite like the stages. Really, on the ovals, yeah. I would imagine I I haven't asked them for this event, but I would imagine for something like this, it probably doesn't make sense. But what they tell me is like, yeah, it does kind of break up the race a little bit, so it's not just this stagnant two to three hour. Yeah, wait until the finish. Circle, 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 circle. So it does break it up a little bit and, and add some drama. It is artificial drama, but add some drama that wasn't previously there. Yeah. So, um, I I think for this event it doesn't make sense, but for most of the events it does. As far as the NASCAR fans concerned, as as far as you and I are concerned, I mean, it, I can sit there. Listen, I I watch two hours of boring racing nearly weekly when it comes to Formula One, so yeah, it's not very difficult for me to watch uh, NASCAR go around an oval. That's fair. Maybe F one has conditioned us to watch any kind of racing. I think that's I think that's probably the thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to ask then, where would you like to see NASCAR if you had control of the series and you could put them on any track? Um, to do another road course street circuit like this. So, because of the speeds that they do, and they're not particularly exciting cars going through corners. You know, they're just they're more exciting when they're interacting with each other than they, than they are going around corners. Mm-hmm. I, I would some somewhere that we had mentioned. I think it was last week or two weeks ago that we said Indy could never go to, but is an iconic American track that would be fun. Something like Lime Rock would be a blast. Mm. Um. I think, yeah. especially because NASCARs are used to going around very small tracks. Bristol, Dover, those are very, very small ovals. Hell, they they drive inside the Rose Bowl. I mean, that's on a, on a football field, essentially. Mm. So, you know, they are very used to tiny, tiny, tiny little tracks. So now you say, all right, go on this road course that's considered relatively tiny, but is kind of simple. You know, yeah. there's some undulation, but it's not a very exciting track. Mm-hmm. What what's exciting is watching the cars interact with each other, and there's a ton of road runoff on that on that course. I yeah. I think Lime Rock would be a very good fit for them. That's a good one. Yeah, that would be really that'd be constant action the entire time. Exactly, and I I, I think if if you ended up somewhere like Road America or even Watkins Glen to some extent, you're gonna Watkins Glen might be more the exception, but Mid Ohio would not work. VIR would not work because it's just gonna space them out too far, and yeah. they're not exciting on their own. Yeah, that's fair. So I think you need something small, something chaotic. And and I could see Lime Rock being that sort of nice middle ground. Yeah. Unless you're going to do what you did with Chicago and just have your own kind of unique street circuit. I, kn- I know damn well they would not go on whatever the hell IndyCar just decided was Detroit this year. Yeah. Be cool to see, though. Not on Detroit, it wouldn't. You don't think so? Not in the least. Why? No. Because you would end up with a caution every 30 seconds until there was four to, cars left. To be fair, we did get one classic street circuit traffic jam in this NASCAR yeah, race. Yeah, we did, yeah. Which was quite funny. Yeah. They always are quite funny. They they are, yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> But, yeah, it's, this is the one time I will say that Chicago is better than Detroit. And wow. I, I hate that. The, I hate, and we got that recorded. Yeah, exactly. I hate that that was on recording. But, <laughs> yeah. No, this Detroit street circuit this year was hot garbage from IndyCar, and yeah, yeah, this Chicago one wasn't too bad. Yeah. Then again, I think IndyCar probably would have been terrible on it. So. Yeah, I mean, for IndyCar, it just would have been another street circuit. I think if I could choose a track, it would be Sebring, which I think is maybe a boring answer, mm-hmm. but I just think it's one of the best tracks in the country. Oh, I agree with in you. In terms of racing and Are to you not see... afraid it would separate them too much? 
No, because that would be my concern. I I think that's a valid concern, but I think at Sebring, after watching those cars at Chicago, and just seeing the way they handled the road, I think Sebring would upset the cars enough that it wouldn't like it'd be hard to get a rhythm there. Okay, and like really be consistent. I think. Would you Would you shorten it in some way, shape, or form, or run traditional? Uh, I think I'd, I'd run traditional track, yeah. I just, Sebring, it just has such a perfect mix of high-speed, low-speed corners that it's not just like a drag strip. It's not super tight and technical. There's a little bit of everything. Yeah, and I think totally agree. seeing those stock cars there bouncing around, like... I can't imagine them trying to go through 17. See, I think turn one would be the tricky one. Yeah. 17, yeah, they're going to want to wash Yeah, turn one, Se- for sure. 17, it's like, okay, hard-breaking, you go in, you're doing your thing. Turn one, you're going in fast, and, like, you're trying to maintain as much speed as possible yeah. and get close to that wall and not run off. Like, it'd be wild. Yeah, it would be. It'd be a, a I brawl. Mean, with that said, there's no reason that they couldn't incorporate some race in the middle of the year to go back to Daytona and use the infield. That'd be interesting. I mean, why not, right? Yeah. Like, it's not like IndyCar uses it. Sure, they have some historic races, and they have the Rolex. So... It's kind of amazing how little u- or underutilized Daytona seems to be in the grand scheme of things in terms of events. I know they do all sorts of stuff. They do motocross, superbikes, Yeah, they have events. multiple motocross events every year. They have the HSR event. They have the Rolex. They have the Pepsi. They have the Daytona. Yeah. They have Bike Week. They have, I guess it's a lot. I think they've got Monster Jam there every once in a while. Do they really? Um, I've have a vague memory of of monster jam being there or something but hmm. i know i saw it in tampa once okay but yeah because they use that infield like the the grass area yeah right in front of the main stands like right at the finish line they did rally cross they there do a bunch of stuff there too yeah okay i take that back daytona does a lot of stuff it does feel underutilized still in, in with the all sports that stuff. car scene perhaps yeah but then again you start to think about like okay how often is something like sebring used it's mostly club stuff. Right. Smaller events. Right. Yeah, that's true. So. Fair enough. They, I think tracks in general just get underutilized. Yeah. So you mentioned Mid-Ohio earlier, how it wouldn't be good for NASCAR. Yep. We had IndyCar there this week. Yep. What were your thoughts on It's the an race? awesome track. Yeah? Every time. Every time I watch it, it's a really good track. And again, I... Man, I need to really... I might lose my Michigan card at the end of this because now I'm complimenting something in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Yeah, it's uh, it's a really, really good track. I think it's a lot of fun to watch. I think it really provides good racing between the drivers, good hard racing between the drivers, kind of the way that Watkins Glen does. Um, to some extent, the way Road America does in different places on the track. Um, but overall, the event, I thought, was kind of boring. Um, yeah. It, it just got taken over by seemingly the best driver that's been in an IndyCar for the last 15 years yeah. and Alex Pillow yep. just again decided I'm better than everybody and I'm going to be faster. Yeah, three and, in a three in a row. And then just was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh it was unfortunate for Colton Herta though. Um when he went into the pits. Yeah. That was a weird thing to happen. It was. It was. And like I but we talked about it what 2 weeks ago. It's like again, it's a it's something that's happening behind the scenes that involves Colton Herta. Not necessarily what's on the track, and I talked to you about how Brian Herta is now not involved with him. Mm-hmm. He's managing Kyle Kirkwood, so there's something going on. What's going on here? Yeah, like, yeah it was weird because like 
apparently he hit the button, but then it didn't work for it to go into the pits. Mm-hmm. And because at first I thought he just went in too hot, but I think what happened is he thought he hit the button and hit the throttle. Yeah. And that's what upset the car. Right. Broke the speed limit and everything. Yeah. yeah. Which is a really irritating way to essentially lose uh or lose enough time to be out of contention it, yeah i i mean like i would like to there's a part of me that says that i'd like to see them have some grace in situations like that where you're you're sitting back you're like the driver is clearly trying to slow down and did not yeah. okay he made a mistake you're good he's it's not like he was speeding down pit lane where there are people it was right at entry you're fine. Yeah, like it's almost get, like, did you actually gain an advantage or not? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I I wouldn't mind seeing some adjustment there, but I understand rules are rules like we were talking about last week. It's rules are rules, and that's what you've got to go by. But I also, I'm kind of okay with changing that a little bit. But yeah, it's just, uh, again, just weird stuff with that team, weird stuff with Colton Herta. I didn't realize Colton Herta is the highest paid driver on the IndyCar grid this, this week. Or really? this this year, yeah. That's that's what they said this week during the race. Yeah, I was like, wow, I did how, not how do, realize that. How do you manage that? Because he's like he. That's how bright his future was looking last year. I mean, really? he, he was looking like Alex Pillow is. Hmm. So I would have thought it'd be like because it's weird in for you know Scott Dixon. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. In Formula One, it's like Lewis Hamilton. It's like where's he this year? Nowhere. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, he signed a huge contract. Huge contract. So hmm. yeah, it's. It is interesting, but I don't know. I mean, like, overall, I thought the race was pretty good. Um, I it thought it was a stereotypical IndyCar race. Yeah, but There's more some on the boring action. side for yeah. me. Yeah. I, I just kind of, as I was watching, and I felt like I was just wanting more. Whatever it was, I'm not sure. I can't really put my finger on it, but I was like, I'm not as entertained as I have been recently. Mm. I have to say, I wasn't, I didn't think Mid-Ohio, that's the first time I've ever really watched uh, a race uh, at Mid Ohio, mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of meh. Yeah, I wasn't. That's fair. I, super I, I, interesting. I like I like what it creates. I like a lot of the off camera, the undulation, the mm. movements and stuff. Like it really does look like it. It tests the drivers in what yeah. the cars can do. So that's a a nice thing. But yeah, I mean, it, I get. I wouldn't call it the most exciting um, circuit on the on the calendar, but I think it's one of the top ones because at the end of the day, it's better than some of the ovals. It's better than every single street circuit that exists. Like, I'd rather watch that than Long Beach every day of the week. Yeah. I, I, I can understand that. Or Detroit. Yeah. You weren't a fan of that Detroit track? I hate track? that track so much. <laughs> I, I Partially because of, they took away Belle Isle for that. And it's like... Yeah. That was like a t- bit strange. They'd be like taking away... Uh, the Montreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just sticking in the streets of, of Montreal and just being like, okay, here we go. And you're like... Four ninety degree turns. What there the you go. Hell, that was a great track. Why did we do this? <laughs> Although it was weird how this year. No, I don't want to get off topic on a random rant, but how uh, we always say Montreal is one of the best tracks, and it did not yield a super. Hey, I interesting did. Race. I said a couple of episodes ago that it was. It's always a worse race than we anticipated being every year. Do you think we just build up the hype? I think so. Yeah, because it's a really cool track. Mm. But it's like it somehow. Um, maybe it's because of the series that is racing around it, but somehow is a, ends up being a boring race. Yeah. What do you think makes us, in the end, decide if a race is, like, boring to us or not? Do you think it's actual drama, actual racing, or just 
some other mix of things. I, w- I would think there's some mix of that, both of those. Um, I think the biggest thing is that ultimately, as this is going to sound a little maybe um, grandiose, if you will, but bear with me. I think as, as humans, we look for stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what it comes down to is we're, we're used to having, for the history of our, of our species, we've always had stories to tell to each other, right? And in the stories, you have a beginning, and then you have a middle, and you have an end. You have these peaks and valleys. You have this huge climax, or this is a massive event, or this big letdown. And when a race doesn't have any of those, um, I think that it very quickly ends up in the boring category. So it's like, okay, it, the race started. And you're like, yeah, because everybody's excited for the start of the race. That's just a given, right? So everybody started, is excited to watch the start of the movie or read the start of the book because you wouldn't have it otherwise. So that sort of excitement's a given. And then when eventually the lull hits and it drops down to a lack of excitement, that's fine. But you need some sort of storyline throughout. And with something like IndyCar, generally there's enough battles going on or there's some drama in the pits or there's some whatever. Something can create a little bit of drama, and that's where your drama comes in. And then once the, the drama has sort of hit its crescendo, if you will, what you really need is... You need almost like a you, you need two heroes battling for supremacy and whatever that is. So or two two three whatever you need some clear targets to win this race. And then what's exciting is when they're close to each other and they're battling. And that doesn't necessarily have to be drama. That could be just oh my goodness he's within a second of that guy and they are like he could get him he could get him he could get him okay he doesn't. But that's what creates an exciting race. It's when you get that sort of lull and then. There is really no, which I think is, we'll get to eventually, but I think <laughs> is the problem with Formula One. Yeah, yeah. There is no, there's just one hero. And at the end of the day, it's very clear that he's going to win it. And there's no excitement to the race because there's no questioning in it. You know what the plot is. You might, like, rewatching. there are great, great movies. I've always said this about uh, any anybody that's ever seen Inception will understand it. Mm. It was a great movie once. You know what's going on. You cannot watch it again yeah. because it will be bad. Because you're just like, I'm, I mean, I know what's going on, right? So it's sort of the same thing with, with Formula One or with a boring race in Indy. It's like very clearly that guy's going to win. We're done. Yeah, it doesn't have any – it's like it doesn't have any depth. And I, I think what you said about it having to tell a story or us at least interpreting it that way it hit the nail on the head because when we can't look at a situation and go – you know, like at the Indy 500, that's what made that race so exciting this year is we had different drivers in mixing it up in the uh, top three. And you'd say something like, oh, so-and-so, it's his rookie season. Or it's, uh, you know, this guy came from the back of a grid. He's on a fuel save, you know, or he had right. this crash in practice. He came back, and now he's in the top three. Like, that's what excites us or gets us interested mm-hmm. versus something like, all right, the top three drivers are in the top three. Right. Uh, more obvious news coming in a half hour yeah. when we give another update. Yeah, exactly. You know? Well, and to anybody that doesn't believe what we're saying, go ahead and try and watch one of these races on mute. Just watch any race. I don't care what series it is. You it's can like watch your favorite. A, like watching a practice session at yeah. that point. You do not realize just how valuable the information that most commentators give you is until you don't have them. Yeah. And the whole their whole job is to build that sort of drama, to build that 
that storyline for you and piece together all of these little details. And it's not just the single host or anything like that, the play-by-play commentator. It's every single person. It's when they go into the paddock and they talk to that guy and they're like, hey, what is this team doing? Or they talk to the team boss and he's saying this, 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 and this. All of that stuff is to build a story. And if you don't believe that the story is valuable in racing, like I said, watch a race on mute and tell me you can sit there and watch every race for the rest of the season on mute. Because you can't. It's boring. It's yeah. boring. And it's not that's not an indictment on the sport. It's that it's a sport that needs that kind of help. Some other some sports don't. Some sports you can get away with, there's enough action. But in other sports, you you do need that commentary. And and at the end of the day, like there there's a reason commentary is a thing in all sports. It does make it more entertaining because yeah. it does provide that story, because it does provide that energy. It provides you context for which to judge what's actually unfolding in front yes. of you. You know, it's the same thing. Like when I'm at Sebring, um, actually there, or Daytona or something, you know, what you're seeing on track doesn't make any sense. Sometimes you'll see you'll see some moves and some action, but you don't actually know what's going on. You don't know if that was for the lead or if somebody's just unlapping themselves. Right. There's, there's no you way don't to know follow what's going the race. On. Yeah. yeah. Um, luckily, they have those leader lights now, which are actually pretty helpful. Um, but in something like IndyCar or Formula One, I think it really comes down to. You have to know what's going on in the season, where everybody's at, mm-hmm. what happened last race, you know, all that stuff that builds a story or even uh, something that happened this race. Like we had a big crash in practice um, and it's like that driver comes back, wins the race. You know, that's like a story there. It yeah. could be anything, but it's, yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with the whole idea of it has to be some kind of interesting story it something needs romanticism yeah really. it, it has to be something you can explain to somebody somebody goes why is it such a big deal that this guy won you go oh well it's because this happened and this 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 and this right they don't ju- you don't just say oh well he's got the fastest car and the best team and everything yeah which is ironic because i think we both champion that format and we don't necessarily think that's like a bad thing right but it is not interesting to watch no no it's not it, it's not if there's not a battle like the a lot of the years between Rosberg and Hamilton were still relatively interesting because those we two cars rough, yeah. were at least battling. Yeah. Those two drivers were at least battling, right? Yeah. And they were sort of the hero. And the announcers and the were better. Yeah, they were. Yeah. But we had commercials then. That's true. I don't know. Would you rather have... I'd take the announcers back. Okay. 100%. I, I think I agree with you. I think I do. I don't know. I I really don't like Crofty and... and uh, I don't mind Mansell very... Or not Mansell. Um... Oh my! What's his name? I don't even. I know their voices. I don't know their names. These I cannot. Guys, now. Whatever. Anyway, Crofty's the worst, though. Crofty drives me nuts. He and he is like you listen to IndyCar because that's who in the U.S. we used to have doing uh, Formula One was Lee Diffie, and yep. he is just so good, man. Yes, him. But the combination of him, David Hobbs, and Steve Matchett, yeah, was just Chef's Kiss. Yeah, the perfect announcer trio because they were all good at different things. Yep, and. uh it's sort of like Top Gear, like the original. I shouldn't say the original Top Gear, because I guess, you know, what you think of as Top Gear, Jeremy, May, yeah. Hammond. Yeah. You can't replace that. No. It, they tried. It doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, same thing with those guys. But but I was, I'm glad you brought that up, too, because I, I was going to mention that. When we had Rossberg and Hamilton battling, it was still interesting. Yeah. Like, I actually remember that season. Yeah. Because it was interesting. Right. You know, and now it's we like... We had sort of a hero and an anti-hero in that. 
exactly. in that series alone or in and, that season alone. Yeah, and you wanted to know who was going to win each race because you're either a Hamilton fan or a Rosberg fan. Yeah, and there was no crossover between those fan bases. Yeah. at all. I do want to touch briefly, if you don't mind, on the um, kind of because it fits in with this. Yeah, is uh, Lewis Hamilton had made a comment. Um, I think stating, I know the comment you're thinking of. Yeah, stating, I hope it is yeah. stating that uh, the. FIA needs to look into changing the rules because Verstappen and Red Bull have too large of a lead and they're now able to focus on the next season. Yeah, okay. But before we get into this, I do want to mention real quick, Yeah. Uh, before we move away from IndyCar, uh, Simon Pagano's crash in practice. Yes, that was... Holy crap. I Yeah. I saw the video. That was the worst accident I've seen since Alan McNish back in, what, 2011? Yeah. 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 Uh, that was violent. Because... When you first see it, you see the tail end of it, and you're like, oh, he rolled over. Yeah. And then you see that he lost the brakes. And yeah, brake failure on the fastest corner. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. That was... That is, that is the worst fear of everybody. Now, credit to IndyCar and all the engineers behind the, the cars themselves for that guy to be the only reason he was held out of the race. Apparently, he had no really major injuries to himself. The only reason he was held out of the, the race. Did you hear why? No, I didn't. I was wondering. Yeah. He, his helmet recorded 80 Gs. So they're like, yep, you're not going in the back in the car. Fair enough, man. Yeah, I, I don't blame IndyCar for doing that. But it's like Dude. 80 Gs. That, yeah. there's, I, there is a feeling that you feel when you see a lot of energy. Like, uh, I, don't, I don't know how to describe this. Like, when you see that car go off, the pit of your stomach goes, ooh, that's a lot of speed and yeah. not a lot of time to slow down. Yeah. And you feel it, man. He was airborne for a good while i tell you what though you want to like one of the biggest reasons i think that he is uh, as okay as he was is because that was a gravel trap yes and not a runoff yes we see all these new circuits doing these runoffs that is a way more dangerous accident on one of those yeah yeah he would have not lost any speed if that was just runoff yep but Man, that was wild. That was that was like you said. That was what probably the worst crash we've seen since Alan McNish. Yeah, and it was sort of similar in the way that it was it yeah. cartwheeled. Yeah, but by the time he got to the wall, all the energy was dissipated. Yeah, it was <laughs> wild because they, he did three hundred and seventy rotations. Yeah, and then yeah. Uh, I couldn't believe he got on the radio immediately and was like, "Hey, I'm fine. I'm fine. Just yeah. lost the brakes." And you're like, "Man, I wouldn't even be able to find the radio button." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder how dizzy you are when you're going that fast. Like, you know, yeah. I wonder if he can even, your brain even process that you're dizzy at that point. Yeah, it's probably just over at that point, and you just felt like you got. I don't know, man. That was that was a lot of energy. It was, <laughs> and it was rotating really fast yeah. when it flipped. Yeah, it was on its axis. Yeah, yeah. That was. Yeah. yeah, that was intense. Back to your Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, uh, topic. I have one word to describe this. Rich. It's really <laughs> rich coming from him yeah i remember you, you sent us a message of that and uh describing it that way and i was like oh this is gonna be good and then i saw it and i even sent the full article it's yep. not like i just oh, sent yeah. the headline i was like guys read this for yourself because yep. i'm not just pulling you all know i don't like hamilton very much yeah but... and i always i have to say i was a hamilton fan over rossberg although you could argue that's a lose-lose situation um but and i tried to defend him most of the time but that is a completely indefensible position and statement. From him. Yes. If that was coming from someone like Charles Leclerc, totally yeah, fine, sure, right? Like sure. okay, he has never been an overly dominant driver yeah. in an overly dominant car. Yeah. 
still don't agree with the idea, but you know what? I'm sure you're frustrated. Yeah. But with Hamilton, you're just like, are, are you serious? Yeah. Where like, where was this the where, last seven years? Yeah. Where where, where do you whatever it was? Like, I if if somebody if I was an FIA official and he said that to me, I would literally be speechless. I have no idea how you respond. To I, that. I would send. I would simply not say anything to him and send him a letter requesting all of his trophies back for for <laughs> world championships. Because he is entirely, he is a very good driver. Do not get me wrong. He is entirely a beneficiary of an exceptionally good yeah. vehicle in a in a racing series where no one else had that vehicle. It and he. <laughs> I can't even. It sounds so stupid to say this. Mercedes did the exact thing he is talking about, and so you're just like, "What are you? Yeah, how? So now that it benefits you, now you can just be like, "Oh yeah, now I think they should ban this or right. or do this." You know, just like, I, I just incredibly <laughs> I can't, selfish. I incredibly can't. selfish. Yeah, and uh, ah, man. Max's uh, comment back was pretty pretty awesome too. Something along the lines of like, then be better. Yeah, like, which oh, is no, exactly I, what he should. Yeah, say. I think he said something like, uh, "Everything's unfair. Deal with it." Or something. Oh yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. But, I, dude, I, I really don't know what to say with that. That's one of the stupidest things you could possibly say in that I, in his position. Somebody, I mean, like, he grew up watching the era of dominance by a single car for his entire career, then joined Formula One when there was very little dominance, relatively speaking. Yeah, we had decent parity. Yeah. Red Bull was good. And then, but... Yeah, but then Red Bull took over yep. for four straight years. Yeah. And then Mercedes took over yep. for seven straight years. Yeah. And then now Red Bull's taken back over again. So he has spent, out of his, what, 30-some-odd years of watching Formula One or being involved in Formula One, and there's been, like, five teams win a world championship. Like, what is he, what is he going on about? It's just so stupid. I it, just ha- I had to bring that up. I mean, it, like, there, there's no excuse for that. Oh, I had it on my list to bring up because okay. I knew it would be an interesting topic. Okay. But it, it's just completely asinine to even suggest that. And on top of the fact that wouldn't it's you, just a stupid idea as well. Yeah, it is. And wouldn't you expect more from somebody that's supposed to be a brand ambassador? From somebody that's supposed to be the, the leader of your sport? For somebody that's supposed to set an example for everyone else and for all the incoming drivers, yeah. wouldn't you expect more from him? Well, because that's what I don't understand. Is somebody like Sebastian Vettel would never say something like that and didn't ever say anything like that. I think we've heard Vettel suggest things, but it's also how you say it and how you... I mean, I don't want to get into the nuance of communication, but like, you know, somebody like Vettel is like, just seems like a really easy person to like unless he's winning consecutive world championships then everybody hates him <laughs> but you know when he's talking and doing an interview he's like uh you know maybe we should do something like this like obviously this is a problem right now you know i'm not sure what they're doing i heard they're working on that it's like very political politically correct in the good kind of politically correct kind of way yes whereas hamilton gets upset at something and he goes i think they should change this he just Here's, sounds like a petulant yeah, child. Yeah, exactly. It's Vettel's like, well, you know, maybe this needs to be looked at. This is probably a problem. Whereas Hamilton's like, I think they should do this. And you're like, really? Yeah. You think that? Yeah. Let uh, me write again, that down. Again, like, you think that now? Yeah. Not when you were winning. But also, let, let's play that out. Let's play that out. Uh, 
into what he's actually suggesting. So his career's done, by the way. Like, yeah, he might get one more world championship. I think it's very, very unlikely, but might get one more. Uh, see, I don't. I, so his career is pretty much over. All he's doing is making this comment after he's already had his glory, and then going. By the way, you guys need to fix this. Yeah, I just I I was a beneficiary of all this, but you got to fix this because this is a problem for everybody following me. Yeah, it's just ridiculous and so selfish. Yeah. Again, like you said, he's one of the best drivers, no doubt. He's extremely quick, obviously puts the time in. We've we've had him up there with the likes of Alonzo. But I Alonzo would never say something like this. Mm-mm. It's such a stupid thing to say. Right. You know, Alonzo is more I think I think the word is professional. I think Exactly. Lewis has enjoyed so much success and so much dominance that he just thinks that and I think we talked about this before about how when he came off that dominance, he kind of struggled to race a little bit because he was, instead of just qualifying on pole, controlling the pace of the race, doing his own thing, all of a sudden he had to battle with other drivers. And, you know, that's when we had all the arrow wash stuff. So everybody's like, oh, I can't get around him because of the arrow. Yeah. Um, And so I think it's a mental thing. I think, and I, I've thought about this before, and I'm not saying it's the right you know what he's doing is the right thing but you can understand how when you enjoy that level of success and all of a sudden it's taken away you can see from a psychological standpoint how that would mess with your head yeah but at some point you got to stop yourself or the people in your circle have to stop you and be like dude you got to stop exactly and then (laughs) but it also like the exact same mentality just carried over into the race this week where he is clearly going off every corner. Yep. Lando Norris is somebody that is not not somebody who complains on the radio very often. Normally, yep. he's a pretty jovial guy. Jumps on the radio and says, Lewis Hamilton's going off every corner. He finally gets penalized, and he goes, well, the car won't turn in. <laughs> no, the car, the car is... So... Like... Then fix... Like, then slow down. Yep. Like, what? what do you want me to tell you? Like, make the car do that. If yeah. what you're saying is I can't go at this speed and make that corner, which you're, you're just saying, well, I I don't like this line on this track. I don't like the way the track's laid out. I'm making my own line. It's like that is horse bonk. Like that's yeah. garbage, man. It's hot garbage. Like what are we doing here? So I saw, I must be one of those Sky News people who have access to everything on the Sky News app that I hear so much about when I'm watching of one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, that we don't have here. Yeah, exactly. They're like, press your little red button. I'm like, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I, I, I would, but I, I can't. I don't have a red button. Get a Staples easy button over yeah. here. But, <laughs> but uh, apparently, because I know they can listen to the, like, the driver's radios and uh, all the other stuff. They get access to all sorts of stuff, I think. At least so I've heard. Um, and somebody like put together Lewis complaining the entire time about other people going off track and going over the lines yeah. and how they should be penalized. And all of a sudden, he gets penalized for doing the exact same thing. And it was just really funny because then Toto comes on the radio and he's like, Lewis, just drive the car. He basically just shuts him down. He's like, just stop complaining. And Because he was complaining about the car. Right. He was literally like, oh, this car's slow, man. This car's slow, man. It doesn't turn, man. Yeah. And and Toto comes on the radio. He's like, Lewis, just drive the car. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's where it's really important to have a team principle that is bigger than the driver. Like, yeah. I understand that Total Wolf is not more of a household name than Lewis Hamilton is, 
But if you think that Mercedes is going to can Total Wolf rather than uh, Lewis Hamilton if they got in a spat, you're insane. Yeah, definitely not. Mercedes would be like, whatever you say, Toto. Whatever you say. Well, you can always get another driver, too. Yeah. And I think uh, uh, Russell has proved that most of the drivers on the grid are pretty good. And, you know, they might not be, you know, obviously Max Verstappen, Fernando Alonso, or even Hamilton as fast as those guys. But they're going to be fast enough. Yeah. As fast as you need them to be. Um. But, yeah, you know, you can replace drivers for the most part. But I, what I don't understand is, like, I don't know. I A couple weeks ago, I, I sort of mentioned, I was like, you know, it'd be interesting to see Hamilton go to, like, Ferrari or something. And now, after that comment, I mean, maybe it's just personal. It would and, never work. Yeah, I'm just like, that's not going <laughs> to No. <laughs> that would never fly. No. You know? I, I, Hamilton, Hamilton will retire as a Mercedes driver. Yeah, I don't think he can leave guaranteed. Mercedes at this point. I don't, I'm not sure anyone would, anyone that he would go to would take him. No. Because he would go to Red Bull. Red Bull doesn't want him. Yeah. He would go to Ferrari. Ferrari wouldn't take him. Where else is he going to go? He's not going to go to Aston. I mean, maybe Aston Martin would pick no. him up, but I don't. I mean, they they might, but he yeah. wouldn't go there. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying is like, he's going to look at all of those. He's the type of guy, I think, and I, I get that we're kind of just bashing Lewis, but I think it's well-deserved at this point for some of the stuff that he's done, but he's the kind of guy that strikes me as he's not like Alonzo who's going to go out and just go, oh, I want to race at Le Mans. Oh, I want to race in this series. I want to race in this series. I think he's just going to disappear from motorsports entirely and just be this, like, social media personality rather than being a racing driver. You mean like what Nico Rosberg does? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, I, I but think... I, the thing is, at least Nico is is giving back to F1 in his analysis, and I think he often has a pretty pretty solid... Oh, no, he like legit started a YouTube channel and everything. Oh well, that I didn't know. But yeah, I, I'm just referring to at least he's you know he's working with Sky Sports slash ESPN. Yeah, I cannot see Lewis Hamilton doing that. No, no, he only does this, and I don't even think Lewis would do a YouTube channel. I think Lewis would do like just his social media, his Twitter, his Instagram, his yeah. like that stuff, and just be like, look at the type of person I am. Yeah, and then he'd come out and make political statements because he can't avoid doing that. He's got to always do that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude. Like, I can just see it now. Everybody's going to be like, will you just shut up and go away, please? I can just see it now. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. It's a sh- it is a shame. Yeah, because I, I think he's a victim of his... Man, we're really uh, getting... I don't I don't generally like saying these kinds of things because it's like, I, you know, what the heck do I know? I don't have all the information, but I'm speaking generally here. But this is a public figure. Yeah. Generally speaking, I think he's a victim of his own success just in the way his that his driving is, I think he's enjoyed so much attention and everything that it goes to your head. And I'm not saying, like, that same thing would happen to me, you know? Like, oh, yeah, you're not, you and I are not above this. There's, no. There's not, there, there's a non-zero chance we would be in exactly the same position. Yeah. You get that much influence and that much but that doesn't, notoriety, you're going to be like, yeah, I think that. Yeah. But and, that doesn't that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be criticized by individuals that are sitting on the outside watching and going, that's not right. Hundred percent, a hundred percent, and yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's weird because Formula One is the kind of sport where you tend to see these kind of kind of guys, you know, stick around for ten, twenty years. You know, we had Raikkonen who was there for a while. We have Alonso still, and uh, you know, he's part of F one's history. And I, I, I don't know. I I just think that. If he's going to keep making comments like that, like you said, nobody's going to want to deal with that. Yeah. And he's he's almost become the 
stereotypical Formula One driver from uh, uh, what was that movie? I feel bad because I don't remember the name of it. With uh, is it Talladega Nights? Oh yes, yeah. He's almost become that character. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Formula U. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, but that's where we're at with F one. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned earlier that you kind of thought the race was boring. Yeah, because the race was boring. <laughs> Again, I mean, seriously, what like uh, the Austria gener- is always boring. Exactly, yeah. that's what I was going to say. Is generally speaking, all we know every every year that we go to Austria is that track limits are going to be exceeded regularly. They're not going to do anything about it in the off season to try and figure it out, or in the three hundred sixty five days they have from one from one race to the next, they're not going to do anything they in their power to actually figure out and go. That's got to be changed. They're just going to penalize people for driving off the track, which they should penalize people for driving off the track. But here's another idea. Make it a penalty so you don't have to penalize them. Or just put grass there. That's my point, yeah. is make it a penalty, right? Yeah. Like, if that's grass, they're not going out there. Also, it... But the race was boring as all get out. Yeah. Nothing boring ha- as it, all get out. Was, I mean, it's like... It was, was predictable. Nothing really happened. You had the typical midfield stuff, but it, we only the, looked at that the two because... two started on the front row, finished on the front row. Yeah. They only show the midfield. If you're seeing the midfield stuff, you know it's a bad race. Yes. Because nothing else is happening. Yep. But uh, going back to that grass thing, would it be so hard to have two to three feet of grass, like a grass strip along the edges of a track, and then after that, if you really wanted to have your gravel or your uh, tarmac runoff, just have the grass there as a natural penalizer. Would that be so hard? No. Right? No. And, okay. and from somebody that maintains it, it would not be a particularly difficult maintenance project either. Right. So, no, there's no reason not to do exactly that. Uh, it, it is Because the good thing about grass is, it, like, it's not like gravel where it kicks up a bunch of rocks on the track or anything. Right. You know, it's just grass. So, can, yeah. we, can we do that, please? It, it would be nice. Something has to happen on this track because this is, every year, it's the same thing. They just, it, the drivers, for whatever reason, exceed the track limits on this track. And it must be because, because there's other tracks like Paul Ricard and, uh, yes, Marina pop mm-hmm. into mind, even Coda to some extent, where the runoff is just asphalt, right? Yeah. But for whatever reason, they doesn't, I think maybe they're not, none of the corners are high speed enough to demand I, that, that I th- opportunity. Yeah, I think it's so, the corner types. There's the long sweepers and yeah. It but benefits if, if you. that's the case, then yeah, you need to like. Honestly, I'd be okay with a fire pit on the outside of the corners if that kept the damn drivers away. Like this is insane. It's yeah, because we cannot be deciding races. And by we, I'm speaking on behalf of the FIA in a way. But like, you should never be deciding races based on a pe- on a penalty. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, this race was not decided on a penalty, but results within the race were decided on penalties, and that's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem on the track. Like, if I'm the FAA, I'm calling Red Bull and I'm, or excuse me, the Red Bull Ring, and I'm saying, you guys need to fix this before we come back next year. And if you have a problem with it, then we won't come back. Yeah, and that's where the FIA has the clout, and Formula One has the clout to be able to do that. And I get that Red Bull is one of the teams, but then you simply tell Red Bull, look, I'm sorry, that is not our problem. It is your problem to figure that out. Yeah, I, I think the FIAs put themselves in a position also where they've essentially lost their authority on these kinds of things. Because if they're going to decide that they're going to take track limits seriously, you actually need to take track limits seriously and penalize every single person who breaks the rule. With, at, at every event, too. Yes. Not, not just at that particular event. I genuinely think, because we've seen it enough on TV where you see guys crossing over the line and nothing ever happens. 
I genuinely think that they actually take into account the effects it has on the race. And they think like, oh, okay, well, let's not spoil this battle at the end and give somebody a penalty. I, I would not be surprised if that happens. And I think that because the rulings are so inconsistent. Right. And I think that's where you also get the drivers complaining. Yeah. And what I'm getting at here is if you have drivers complaining that somebody's not getting penalized, then they get penalized and don't think they deserve a penalty. And then if you have multiple drivers in a race getting the same penalty, there's something wrong with your system where drivers aren't af- they're either not afraid to get the penalty or um, they don't actually they can't identify what the rule is that they're breaking. They're not afraid. To, like something's wrong. It's a risk, there. It's a risk reward, isn't it? Like, yeah. That's the the reward of of hauling ass around that corner and maybe maybe exactly exceeding the the boundaries exactly. is worth the and especially we've said it before the three strikes and then you get the black and white flag and then you get a penalty. So you have to do it five times before you get a penalty. Yeah, and who's counting? It's excessive. Do, you, do we have a an FIA steward for every driver watching? Uh, must be. How are they watching? I have no idea. That's my point. Is like, and, and that's you saw that with the drivers. Like they started to get to the point where they were like, okay, well, I'm just going to report this guy going off. Yeah, keep t- and the teams were saying, keep telling us yeah. because we just need to. We it needs to be known. It's like, well, that tells me that the FIA is not set up to do what they're that what they need to be doing. That they've in set the up the biggest a... racing series in the world. Mm-hmm. They are not ready. They set up a rule that they can't enforce themselves. Mm-hmm. That that's already an issue, and then they enforce it with their own discretion of like, oh yeah, hey, we saw that guy track limits. Watch it. Yeah. Watch it. Yeah. Tell your friends. You well, know? and and it does seem like as soon as they find somebody exceeding track limits, out of nowhere, it's like he's exceeded track limits seven laps in a row. It's like because <laughs> we're just now you, getting to this yeah, issue, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> You know, it's it's not like oh he's done it every lap since lap one. It's suddenly we noticed he's done it from lap seven to lap twelve. Did, so you're saying he didn't exceed them at all from one through six? Well, he might have. We just didn't yeah. notice. Can you imagine a police officer shows up at your door. Hey, uh, ma'am, I just want to let you know. Um, I've recorded you speeding three times in a row every day. Uh, I'm just letting you know now. It would have been a warning, but I caught you three times, so yeah. uh, I'm gonna go ahead and give you the ticket. Yeah. And you're like. What was what was the point of the and, warning? And you now need to pay three tickets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, pretty bad. Yeah. Um, but I think either they need to make the uh, penalty stronger to the point where the drivers are actually afraid uh, to exceed track limits. Dragons. The, that's a possibility. Just get the dragons involved. It's and extreme. Have, it sounds costly, but it, uh, it does. But come on, dragons <laughs> on the outside of the track. Uh, don't cross that corner. Boom, fire. Yeah, that would be bad. Yeah. That would be bad. I guess you don't have to limit it to fire dragons either. You can go. Sorry, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get into all the different lore of dragons, but uh, <laughs> I don't know very much. <laughs> <laughs> there probably isn't like an official lore. On There's got to be. There's, there has to be. Yeah. Sorry, go you on. You could probably get a show on the History Channel about that. But the actual history of yeah, dragons. Yeah, there are a lot of shows you can get on the History Channel that probably shouldn't be on the History Channel. <laughs> but uh, you need stricter penalties. And then you also have to hand them out without, like, just if somebody breaks the rule, they get the penalty. It doesn't matter if they won the race. doesn't matter if they were in last place. What if they They have nice get hair? the penalty. I mean, in that case, it's a case-by-case basis. Okay. It depends on the driver, okay. you know? So and Carlos Sainz never gets Whose hair are you judging? Are you judging it before the race or after the race? Yeah. Do dreadlocks count as, count as nice hair? I guess, yeah. 
because you can't really mess that up. You okay, know? so Lewis Hamilton would never get a penalty then. Maybe that's a loophole. Okay, all right. So we're going to see <laughs> see Max Verstappen and some dreadlocks coming yeah. up. <laughs> nice. But, yeah, I, I think that would pretty much solve it. And But it, it would agree. be unpopular. I mean, you know, the drivers would be upset. They would grumble for a little bit. Fans would be upset because they would grumble. Oh, it's, it's, it took him out of the lead. And you're like, well, you shouldn't have crossed the track limits. Exactly. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is it's like what what we're coming down to is that it's a multivariate issue it's it like there are there are variables here there and there that are all of the reasons why this is a problem the track is not set up properly fine the rule is not enforced properly fine the drivers are also breaking the rule fine guess what happens when you have all three of those things happening and no one is actually being held to account to a proper manner or a consistent manner it just creates that much more chaos which is exactly what you were saying it's like we just all of those three things have to be buttoned up, and every year at the Red Bull ring, we see it over and over and over again. It's the same thing every time. You mm-hmm. don't see it in any other track. You do, I but mean, not as bad. Yeah, I guess this is the most egregious track that we see it in. At the other tracks, uh, the FIA sort of sprinkles it in. It's like one corner. Yeah, they'll pick out some random midfielder, and they're like, track limits. Hey, hey, track limits. Yep, yep. <laughs> and so they're like, I, I feel like they think that because they did that, all the engineers would get on the ready to be like, hey, so-and-so got a penalty for track limits. Try to keep it on the track. Just right. be safe. They're looking out. Like I, That is literally why they do that, I think. Uh-huh. Because they can't actually enforce yeah. it, apparently. So Yeah. I, I, it's a problem. Yeah. It drives me nuts. It, it ruined the race for me. I, I mean, it was also a crap race, but it just it's one of those things that, again, just ruins the race. Because the whole time we're just sitting there like, all right, who's getting penalized now? Ooh, Hamilton got penalized. <laughs> What does that really mean? Nothing, because Signs also got penalized, and so did this guy, and so did that guy, and it's like, okay, they've all got five second penalties. <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. But other than that, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't really a good race. Other than that, anyway. Yeah. For stopping one, Leclerc in second. Yeah. Who did Signs get third? Can we can we give like Ferrari a golf clap? By the way. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yes. Yeah. Credit you know to what? them. They're they're doing all right. They they yeah this week yeah. <laughs> this week and and to be fair like in a track that clearly did not suit Aston Martin I thought Hamilton or uh, not Hamilton Alonso did a pretty good job I know I'm a big praiser of Alonso but I actually I was rather impressed because Stroll was nowhere to be found for a while there yeah so in a in a track that clearly did not suit their car I thought as a team they actually made the right calls I thought they pulled him in a little early the the, the move to get off of the hards was weird to me unless mm-hmm. they were just definitely not the answer but it's like if they're definitely not the answer and you're finding that out at the same time everybody else's mediums are wearing off then why the hell were you on them to begin with yeah i have a random idea this is dangerous i like danger what do you think about where do you think alonzo is going to go do you think he's going to stay with aston martin i mean where else would he go I don't know. I just I just look at Red Bull right now, and I don't think Perez is anywhere near the same level as Verstappen. He's not. Do you think Alonso would ever go to Red Bull? No. No? Hmm. Maybe, but no. I, I lean no. I lean no at like 55% no, 45%. Yes, okay, so you know, it's like, so it's it's close. Okay, uh, I say no because I 
don't think Red Bull is willing to avoid um, team orders, mm. if you will. Yeah, that would be a problem. And I don't think Alonso is willing to listen to them. If if you were managing Red Bull and Alonso came to your team alongside Max Verstappen, uh-huh. who's going to be your number one? Max Verstappen. Yeah. Hmm. Because he's the what reigning two-time world champion, about to be the reigning three-time world champion. Yeah. He's the fastest driver on the grid right now. I get that Alonso's not in as good of a car and is racing really well, but you have no evidence that Verstappen wouldn't do exactly the same in Alonso's car. Yeah. And you have no evidence that Alonso can do the same in yeah. Verstappen's car. So you have to say that Verstappen is your number one. As much as I like Alonso, yeah. you have to say that Verstappen's your number one. And if you're going to bark out team orders, then I just I don't see Alonso be, especially at his age, Mm-hmm. You know he's going to be fighting for one more world championship. If he can, if he can get it within grasp, you th- do you really think he's going to follow? Like that's that's what we saw with Weber and Vettel. Yeah, Weber finally had a chance. He's like, man, I'm in a really good car. I might be able to do this. I don't blame him for not following team orders, and I don't blame Seb for not following him either. I don't blame any driver for not following t- team orders, to be honest. Unless the situation is like, you know, if you're totally out of the championship or the race, like. When it yeah. comes down to championship points, yeah, I have no, I, I don't blame yeah. any driver for doing that. When it comes down to constructors' points, and it's like, okay, very clearly, like, listen, there are circumstances where, all right, so Seb's been leading the entire race, you've been in second the entire race. Yes, you're faster now. Do not try and pass him. Let's just get this done. Yeah, totally get it. You had the opportunity the whole race, the whole race to go try and pass him. You didn't. We got four laps left. Bring the cars home in one two. Sorry, you're two. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense, too. I just, I was wondering, because I know Alonzo wants another championship bad. I mean, it's the reason he's still in F1 right now. Yeah. And the Aston Martin's good, but I don't know if it's, it has the potential to win a world championship. It doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. Not not with what Red Bull's doing. I think Red Bull right now is really the only car that has the potential to do so. Um, do you think any other team other than Mercedes can even challenge them? I mean, Ferrari, I guess, has given them a good fight. I, I think Ferrari, if they get their head out of their ass, I mean, more often than not, they're making they're they're shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. Well, that's Ferrari's trademark. Right. In Formula so, One right now. Yeah. I I think Ferrari, Mercedes are both well like well set up to be able to do that, to be able to challenge for a world championship. They just don't. Yeah. Like Mercedes obviously has done a phenomenal job over the last ten years, being the top car in the in the on the grid. But Ferrari, I mean, what the hell is their excuse? It's not a funding issue. And, and Alonso's never going back to Ferrari. Well, if he did, they would end up losing anyway, so. Yeah. Yeah, they would. Yeah. I mean, that's what happened last time. Right. I, I just, I don't understand. I don't understand where he could go. That's my thing is, like, I, as much as I would love for him to win another world championship, there's just no word. Unless Max, like, in a shock of all shocks, leaves Red Bull, mm-hmm. then maybe. I mean, Nico kind of did that, but I don't see Max leaving. Yeah. Yeah, he's in it. I think he's going to just keep going and keep winning championships. I don't blame him. I mean, at the end of the day, you know you know you're never going to have a bad car as soon as as long as Adrian Newey's doing your arrow. Yeah. I'm okay with Max as a as the as a champion. I do think he needs I think he's quite tolerable, really. I mean, of of all the world champions that we've had to deal with over the last couple of years cuz like you said earlier, Vettel was not the most fun world champion to no. have to deal with yeah uh lewis was a terrible one i just preferred him to rossberg really lewis 
Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah. I I didn't like Rosberg very much. But yeah, I mean, Max has actually been relatively pleasant. Yeah, he still has a the, He moans a bit, but it's not Yeah. He's got that stereotypical like racing driver hypocrisy yeah. thing going on where he can run into somebody but nobody can run into him. Right. But yeah. I I didn't I didn't watch Formula One enough to know what Schumacher was like over the radio or as a personality, so I don't I don't really know how whiny or annoying he was. But it, well, it, I'm sure we get way more personality insight now than we did before. Oh yeah, they, they're well, milk, they're Eccleston milking was, that stuff now. Yeah, yeah, Bernie Eccleston kept that thing on lock. Did not have any interest in yeah per, driver personalities getting out. And then Drive to Survive comes out and yeah, which by the way, there's a there's a tennis one now. So you know how they did the golf one, the full swing? I, I'm not surprised. There's there's now one on tennis called Breakpoint. They're gonna, dude, they're just going to go through every sport and do the same thing. Well, the, this has all been laid out by, um, what's the thing on HBO? Hard Knocks. They did the same what's thing. That? It's It's something they've been following NFL teams in okay. their off seasons and stuff for years. Hard Knocks has been around forever. Oh, so okay. all they did was steal that idea, and they've oh. just done a really good job of producing it. But they've picked some really good sports to do it in because it's all relatively individual sports: golf, Formula One, tennis. Like I'll, I, I don't follow tennis at all. Like occasionally I'll watch one of the majors if I remember it's on. I might actually tune into this just because the producers are so damn good at their job. Production is production is a big deal, man. Like that's the reason Top Gear was good. I yeah. mean, you had the trio, which was necessary. But if you look at the Grand Tour, it's kind of hit or miss. Yeah, and I think it's because it's. It, that's it, a perfect example of like seventy percent host, thirty percent production. Maybe yeah. maybe that's too big of a of a margin for the values. But, but when you take away that thirty percent, you're left with this like awkward thing with yeah. occasional brilliance from yeah. the hosts. Right. And I will say Clarkson's Farm though, A plus. I've heard my dad great, said it was amazing too. Great show. Really funny. Okay. Really funny. Okay. I'll have to tune into it. Yeah. Is that also on Prime? Yes. Okay. Highly recommend it. You're gonna want to farm. Well, because that like <laughs> that's the thing though is like even with the Grand Tour when they started doing some of the the like trips and stuff, it immediately felt like old Top Gear again because there is no production required for that type of stuff. It's just yeah. like okay, here's chaos with these three. Like, <laughs> but they still struggled, I think, to edit it and put it together in a package that was as neat as like the original Top Gears yeah. because the the way they did. I go back and watch those sometimes. I'm like, oh yeah. This is how you do a really good job putting together a story. Yep. The the new Grand Tour ones, it's almost like a YouTube vlog with no real story sometimes. Yep. yep. It's just I, random events feeling, yeah. happening. They're funny. Yeah. You know, but you're just like, okay, that was a weird shot yeah. or transition. Yeah, because I, I have multiple times thought when I was watching Grand Tour, it's been probably a year at least since I've watched an episode of Grand Tour. Yeah. But when I was watching pretty religiously, there was, there was times where I was watching – Clarkson or Hammond or May, any of them do their review on a car, and I went, I'm not sure I value this more than <laughs> them just goofing off. Well, no, than yeah. some of the YouTubers that I think oh, are yeah, very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah. like there there are other like at time. I I get that he's on Top Gear, but yeah. Chris Harris is yeah. a much more valuable opinion to me on on what the car is like. So it's like, but did the reviews change, or is it how they were packaged? I don't changed? know. I don't know. Because you should go back and like watch the old Top Gear oh, I have. reviews. It's great. Yeah. And you're just like, hmm, what what changed here? Yeah. It's like they used to review like the idea of a car. I don't, I don't know. Also, I, also, something we've said before is that the cars were much, much, much more exciting back then. Interesting, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, modern cars now, they all... They all go forward. Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's like we're in this awkward space in the automotive world where 
everything's the same but with different badges and yet then now and now like before the reviewers used to dive into like nitty-gritty details because they were nitty-gritty details and they were yeah. interesting now they have to dive into nitty-gritty details because you're like well this one's slightly different than that one so f- friend of the podcast did it inform me i had no idea you can get a four-wheel drive m4 now what yeah really yeah I don't know if this is true. I trust who it came from. Let's look, yeah, I. But that's troubling. If yeah, that's true, right? Dude, the what more direction I, are we headed, dude? The more I learn about new cars, anything twenty uh, fifteen or newer, it's I wouldn't the even worst. go that far. It's the worst. I'm just. I don't know. I I lost interest a couple years ago, and I I try to get back into it. Sometimes I'm like, I'll, I'll see like something come out. I'm like, I hate that. Yeah. I think I'm old. Yep. Um, that's the only way I can explain this. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and I agree with you completely. <laughs> All right. Well, I think uh, we should wrap it up before we uh, start going really off the rails here. We could, we could get really off the rails. Yeah. It's, it's a thing we do often. Yes. Um, so uh, thanks for listening. Uh, if you want to follow us, it's uh, Motorsports in Focus on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. Oh, man, I almost said watching. Caught myself. Thanks for Ooh. listening. See you next time.